Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Hasn't been good to be in the Lord's house today? Yeah, give the Lord a hand today and just thank Him for what He's doing. I love intimate moments like this. I love moments where it's just, you just have a sense that God is landing in the place. It wasn't orchestrated. It wasn't on a piece of paper. It's just that God's meeting with us. And uh, what, what, a, what a great reminder is that his love really is different than any other kind of love. And one of the things that I'm convinced of is a lot of times we settle for so much less, don't we? A lot of times we settle for what looks good on the surface and what looks good on the outside. And we look at something that, that is packaged well and we think, well, that's the real thing. That's going to be great. That's going to be awesome. But how many of y'all are with me that a lot of times that thing that we bought into, that thing that we thought was going to be great, ends up leaving us feeling empty? Have y'all ever had moments like that where, where you put your hope and your faith and, and just desire in something and it, and it just came up short? I was telling the, the first service that I, I, I'm a sucker for anything that's going to help me become a better person. Anybody else like self-help guru kind of stuff, get better at this, three tips for this, four tips for this, and... You know, I, I fall for all of that stuff, and I even fall for infomercials. Anybody else with me on that? Are you infomercial junkies? I mean, th- throughout the years, I've bought the silliest stuff. I remember early on, I bought something called the Ab Zapper. And it's the promise. Hey, just put electrodes on your body, send current through your body, and in three seconds or less, you're going to look like this you know, rip chiseled guy, right? And so I'm like, hey, give me that. I, I want to electrocute my body. That would be awesome, right? And then I remember um, as a middle schooler or a high schooler, I bought the Mega Memory Program. Did any of y'all ever see that? It was this boxes of cassettes and this little cheap 25 cent spiral notebook in it that I spent, I don't know, four easy payments of twenty nine ninety five or something ridiculous. Uh, I don't remember because the program didn't work. So it, I'm not bitter. I'm just pointing out don't have the mega memory. Or how many of y'all remember the Ginzu knife? Do y'all remember the Ginzu knife? So you see that you still have it. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. that They, they had the commercial. They're like, hey, buy this knife. If you buy this knife, it can saw right through this mic stand. Buy this knife, you can cut through the sole of your shoe. And for some reason, everybody's like, I need a knife that can cut through the sole of my shoe. That'd be great. Probably the saddest words I ever said was, I would like a Ginzu knife, please. (laughs) And what happens is you get the stuff, whether it's the Ab Zapper or the Mega Memory, the Ginzu knife, or whether it's that car wax that once you wax your car with it, you can light your your car on fire and yet it not burn. I I mean, who's doing this stuff, right? You get it, and it, it always comes up short. It doesn't work. It's packaged well. It's sold in a slick kind of way. But once you get it, you're like, it's falling apart. It's not really working. And what happens in a lot of our lives is that mentality of, I want the easy way. I want just four easy payments. I want this thing that's going to cut out time and make it simple. We buy into that in every area of our life. Right? Somebody makes a promise to us at work and we think, man, if I just listen to that promise, everything's going to be great. And then just like the infomercial, it comes up short. People are human. People, pe- people are fragile. People are, are, are broken vessels. And so we put our faith in something at work and then we come up short and we think, well, what's the deal? We settle for the fake. We settle for, for what's less. 
Sometimes it's in relationships where somebody makes a promise and they don't keep that promise. Or maybe sometimes it's we put all of our eggs in the retirement basket. We thought, man, if I could just get to retirement, things would be great. And then it comes up short. And so what I want to do this morning as part of this red letter series is to say, as we listen to the red letters of Jesus, as we get these words off of the page and into our life, we have to learn how to recognize when something has his voice behind it and when it doesn't. In other words, that as we live our lives, as we take these truths that God's been just hammering into our lives week after week, Pastor Chuck's just been leaning into these verses and we leave recognizing that Jesus's life that he offers is different than the world. It's not packaged in this nice, neat little bow, and it's not plasticky, it's not flashy. Especially last week, we learned that often Jesus' ways are different than our ways. And the problem, the hard part about that, is we leave church on Sunday, and we go back to our real lives on Monday, and we go back to our families on Tuesday, and we, and we go into the rest of the week, and there's all this clutter, there's all this junk, there's all this fluff, plasticky, fake stuff around us. In the middle of those moments, We have to learn, how do I recognize his voice? How do I hear him in the middle of the society? How do I, how do I make sure I'm not buying into a lie? How do I make sure I'm not buying into fluff? How do I make sure I'm not buying into something plasticky that's going to let me down? How do I know when something is of God or not? Because the whole premise of this message is not every good thing is a God thing. Not every good thing, not every opportunity that gets offered to you at work is a God thing. It may look good on the surface, but it doesn't mean it's of God. Not every relationship, not every person you meet is a God kind of relationship. It may be a good relationship, it may be an okay relationship, but not every good thing is a God thing. And so my question this morning then is instead of us settling for something that's okay, instead of us settling for something that's good, What would happen if we did not settle unless something was of God? And so the great tension then is, well, how do I know when something's a God thing? How do I know when God is leaning into something? How do I know when when a relationship is a God thing? How do I know when a promotion at work is a God thing? How do do I know when a relationship, how do I, I, I know when a business deal, how do I know when an offer on a house, how do I know the difference between a good thing and a God thing? So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to follow along. In John chapter 21, there's an amazing account of a God thing. In John chapter 21, what's happened is Jesus has died on the cross and he's come back to life. The problem is the disciples, these are the 12 guys that Jesus spent most of his time around. These guys are in an emotional breakdown. I mean, these guys have spent the last three and a half years doing one thing, following Jesus. I mean, all throughout the Gospels, all throughout these passages, what we've been hearing about is Jesus going up to people like Peter, people like John, and people like Mark and Matthew, and he would come up to them and he'd say, I want you to leave everything that you have, and I want you to follow me. And so these guys did it. They, they had heard about Jesus. They, they, they'd seen some of the miracles that he had performed. And so when Jesus looks them in the eye and says, I have a different way of living for you. I have a different life for you. I want you to leave everything else behind and I want you to follow me. These guys did it. I mean, they left their families. They left their jobs. 
They left their homes, they left their comfort zones, and they followed him. And so for the next three and a half years, they saw Jesus do amazing things. They saw Jesus raise people up from the dead. They saw deaf people receive their hearing again. They saw blind people receive their sight. And so for three and a half years, one after another, they saw miracle after miracle, powerful teaching after powerful teaching. They had invested in this relationship with Jesus. They had left everything else behind. And now in John chapter 21, Jesus has died. Think about the emotion that's going on in their souls. They have left everything. They left their jobs. They left their families. They left their homes to follow him. And now he's died on the cross. They saw this one they put their faith and their trust in. They saw him beat up. They saw him run through a sham trial. They, They saw that crown of thorns shoved down on his head. They saw him nailed to a cross. And now these guys who have left everything to follow him have to figure out, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So in the middle of this moment, they're, they're bottoming out spiritually. They're bottoming out emotionally. They're bottoming out practically. They're like, we don't know what to do. And so Peter steps up and he says, I want to do the one thing that I know how to do. I'm going to go fishing. For Peter, fishing wasn't, hey, just a hobby. Hey, I'm going to go down to the lake. I'm going to go down to the river. For Peter, this was his way of life before he followed Jesus, the way that he made his living, the way that he took care of his family, the way that he put clothes on his back, sandals on his feet, was by doing that one thing, fishing. So now in this moment, after he's left everything to follow Jesus, three and a half years later, he's like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go back to the one thing I do know how to do. I'm going back to fishing. Well, in the middle of this moment, a God thing begins to rise up. If you have your Bibles, look at it. John chapter 21, verse 3. It says, and Simon Peter said to them, said to the friends, they're they're, they're hanging out. They're like, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go with this. We don't know how to process this. Peter says in verse 3, I'm going fishing. I'm a professional fisherman. I've got all the tools. I I know the trade. I know exactly where to go. And so his friends say in verse 3, it says, they said to him, we will also come with you. And so he gets this little crew with them. They go out to the sea. They go out fishing. And so they get into their boat. They go out at night and they take the nets that they have in their boat and they cast them out for a catch. And listen to what it says in verse uh, verse 3. It says they went out and they got into the boat and that night they caught what? They caught nothing. I don't know if you've had a moment like that. I don't know if that, that's ever happened for you where, where things are falling apart at, at work or things are falling apart in a relationship or things are falling apart in your health. And so you, you begin to back away. You begin to distance yourself from that thing that's falling apart. You begin to distance yourself from that thing that isn't working out, that thing that you thought was going to be great, that thing that you thought three easy payments is going to be awesome. And, and, and you find out that it lets you down. And so you back away and you say, I don't know what to do, but here's what I do know how to do. I'm going to go back to my old lifestyle. And so for Peter, that old lifestyle is to go back to fishing. For you, it may be to hitting the clubs again. It may be going from relationship to relationship again. For you, it may be some addiction or it may be some way that you try to medicate your way out. And you have had the moment, just like Peter had, where you went back to that thing that you thought was going to be the answer, and yet you come up with nothing. 
Peter's empty. Peter's like, I thought I was going to figure this out. Peter's like, I thought I knew what I was going to do. And yet, after that night of casting the net and pulling it back in, casting the net, pulling it back in, casting it out, pulling it back in, it says they had nothing. And in the middle of that bottoming out moment, God shows up at just the right time. So how would you know if something is a God thing? Big point number one, if you've got the sermon note page, just jot this principle down. You know it's a God thing when, number one, the timing is right. The timing's right. See, a lot of us are just like Peter. A lot of us are self-confident. A lot of us are, 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 are people that think, hey, I can handle this. Peter was very impulsive. Peter was very confident. Peter was very, very sure. I can figure this out myself. And so Peter says, all right, I'm going to get to this thing that I know how to do. I know exactly where the fish are. I know exactly how to bring them in. And yet, just like Peter, we have those moments where even though we cast out our nets at our job and we cast out our nets relationally, we cast out our nets in our family, we cast out our nets even in our growth group, and we come up empty at just that moment. Here's what the Bible says in verse four. As the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Isn't that the way God often works in our lives? God often waits until we get to the end of ourselves. He waits until we're empty. He waits until we're broken. He waits until all of our personal self-confidence and our personal think, hey, I can figure this out. I can do this thing. Often he waits until we get rock bottom where all we have to, all we can do is look up to him. So here's Peter hitting rock bottom all night long, comes up empty, and at just the right time, Jesus shows up. One of the ways you know something is a God thing is where you've got to the end of yourself where you think there's no hope. And I'm telling you, that is fertile ground for Jesus showing up. Does that make sense to you guys? That principle number one is when it's a God thing, the timing is always right. Not only that, but number two, trust is going to be required. Trust is going to be required. See, a lot of times we don't like to trust other people, especially when we've had that plastic moment where we thought, hey, if I put my trust, my faith, my, my hope in this thing, and then we come up short, we have a difficult time trusting. There's some of us in this room that we have difficult time trusting. We've been bit in the past. We've been let down in the past, and we think there's no way I'm going to trust again. Well, Peter goes through that. I mean, as this passage plays out, Jesus shows up on the shore. Here's the thing about it, though. They don't know that it's Jesus. They're a far distance away. They can't really see. They don't really know. Yes, Jesus has rose from the grave, but over these next 40 days, he just sporadically shows up in different places. And so they don't, they don't make the connection. They don't know it's him. And so Jesus calls out from the shore and listen to what he says in verse five. So Jesus said to them, again, they don't know it's him. Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? Can you imagine Peter's frustration at that moment? Do y'all hate it when people ask a question that you know they already know the answer? Does that ever get on your nerves where somebody's like, well, you, you know, and they, they ask the question implying the answer already, and you're like, well, obviously you already know the answer. And so here's Peter, bullheaded, right? Here's Peter, self-sufficient. Here's Peter, frustrated. 
And so here comes this random guy on the shore saying, you haven't caught anything, have you? Peter's like, no. Thank you, Captain Obvious. God bless your ministry. And so listen to what this voice says. It says in verse 5, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered no. Verse 6, and he said to them, this is Jesus, this voice, they don't know who it is. This voice says, we'll cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat. Can you imagine professional fishermen hearing some strange voice on the shore? And so here's guys that know how to do this for a living. They've been casting their nets all night long. All night long, they've been casting it out, pulling it in, casting it out, pulling it in. They come up empty. They're ready to give up. And now some smart aleck shows up on the shore and says, hey, you just need to cast the net on the other side of the boat. I'm sure Peter's like, oh yeah, that's what I was missing. Surely there are more fish three feet over here (laughs) than there were over here. And yet in the middle of that moment, they had to begin to trust the voice. They had to begin to trust the voice. Hey, we don't know exactly what you're asking us to do. We don't know exactly how this is going to work out. We don't know exactly what's going down, but we're going to trust that voice. That's the tension where we live because a lot of times we hear these verses and we hear these red letters, and, and, but the tension is trying to, trying to figure out how to live these red letters out because a lot of times, just like we discovered last week, uh, a lot of times the red letters don't line up with our normal way of thinking. We think, well, well, this is the way I get ahead in my business. Hey, this is the way I close the deal. Hey, this is the way I, I, I handle this relationship. Here, this is the way I'm going to get ahead. And yet, in the middle of those moments, we've got to learn to begin to Listen for the voice of Jesus, that as we spend time in his word, as we spend time praying, as we get plugged into a growth group or a home group, that we begin to say, Jesus, help me to hear your voice in this. Help me to sense your direction in this. I may not know how it's going to work out, and this may not feel intuitive to me, but I'm going to trust the voice. Trust is always required. If, if you could put the deal together yourself, if you could make the house work yourself, if you could do anything yourself, that's probably a good sign that God's not in it. One of the, one, one of the landmarks of God being in something is that it'll only happen because of Him. It's those moments where you get to the end of the month and you're like, Jesus, if you don't show up, I'm sunk. That's when you get to that moment in in a family where you're like, Jesus, unless you intercede, Jesus, unless you speak life into this dead situation, I'm done. It requires that kind of trust where we become vulnerable, where where we expose our heart and we say, I don't know, I I, I don't hear the full voice, but I'm going to learn to trust you. Something's a God thing, number one, when the timing's right. Something's a God thing, number two, when trust is required. And here's the last principle, number three. You know something's a God thing when there's tremendous results. There's tremendous results. And so here they are. They're in the boat. They've been casting their net, pulling them back in. Casting their nets, pulling them back in. They're like, we're done. We're empty. We don't know how we're going to make a living. We don't know how we're going to feed our families. We don't know how this is going to work. And then a voice calls out and says, trust me. 
And so there's this internal conflict. I know how to fish, but I'm coming up empty, so maybe I'll just try it. And that's all I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm not saying you gotta figure out this whole God thing in three easy steps, but what I am saying is you gotta open up your heart and say, what I've been doing hasn't been working. I hear the voice of God from his word. I'm gonna at least try it. And the moment they trust the voice, They cast their nets on the other side. And you know what happens, don't you? They bring in a great catch of fish. The Bible says they can't even pull the nets in. They're panicking. They're like, we didn't expect this to happen, right? We, we, we thought it was just some crazy guy out on the shore. And yet the moment they did what God says, they got God-sized results in their life. And that's what I'm praying for for us is that oftentimes we play it so safe and oftentimes we, we guard ourselves and we guard our hearts and we guard our pocket. We, we play it so safe. We try to control it. We try to control our lives. We try to control our Sunday school, our growth group, our home group. We try to control our ministries. We try to micromanage our kids' lives. We, we go down, we like to be in control, but I'm telling you, the moment that you trust them, the moment that you hand it over to them, the moment that you say, God, I can't, but I know that you can, that's when you see God do something supernatural that so often we settle for little, so often we settle for less. And I wonder how many times God's on the shore saying, but if you'll trust me, I'm gonna blow your mind. And so immediately the Bible says at the end of verse six, so they cast it and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Listen to verse seven, therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, so this guy, John, sees this great catch coming in and the light bulb goes on in his head and his heart. The light bulb goes on. It wasn't the four feet of difference from this side of the boat to this side of the boat that made the difference. This guy recognized, I've been with Jesus for over three and a half years. And what one thing I know about Jesus is anytime he shows up, things change. And so the moment these fish start coming in, he's like, I recognize that that's the Lord. Listen to how I love this in verse seven. Therefore, this disciple John said to Peter, it is the Lord. So Simon Peter's blown away. The light bulb goes on for him as well. And so he puts puts on his garment and he jumps into the water and he starts swimming for the shore. He's like, I wanna be with him. It brings tremendous results. Anytime something's a God thing, you can't sit down and explain it out yourself. When something's a God thing, you, you can't take credit for it. A God thing is something that comes at just the right time that requires you to trust him, and then you get to see what only God can do. That's what I'm praying for us. That's what I'm praying in my own life. That's what I'm praying within our young adult ministry that meets at our home. That's what I'm praying for our student ministry. That's what I'm praying for our Mary. I'm praying it all across this church that our church, just like Hector talked about earlier, we wouldn't just go through the motions and we wouldn't just meet and we wouldn't just say, well, hey, we made it through Sunday and, we, and, and, and everything was good, everything's great, but that our lives individually, our lives as families, our ministries as a church, that this church would be a place that when you see what's going on, all we can do is step back and say, it is of God. It's of God. Isn't that what you're praying for? Isn't that what deep down in your hope is that within your marriage, that within your job, that you wouldn't just play it safe, that you wouldn't just get by, but that you would be able to see the fingerprint of God all over your life. That's not fake. That's not plasticky. That's not something that's going to let you down. 
that's something that's going to change you forever. And it starts with us humbling ourselves and saying, God, I can't, but I know that you can. And so this morning, I stand up here as your friend, as a co-laborer, as somebody that's in the same journey as you to say, don't settle for less. Only settle for the God thing in your life. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Would you pray with me this morning? I'm going to ask that you not move around over these next few moments. I'm going to ask you not talk, and I'm going to ask you not even leave the room. In fact, God is doing a work all throughout this service, all over this campus this morning. I don't want to miss out what he's up to. And so this morning, I want to pray for you. And I do this often when I preach because I, I, I just so don't want to pray some blanket plastic prayer. I want to pray for what God is doing in this room. Is there anybody this morning that said, Pastor Bobby, pray for me because I'm sort of like Peter. I'm hitting rock bottom and I need, I need God to do something that only he can do. Maybe I mentioned the area. Maybe it's some health deal. Maybe it's some strained relationship. Maybe it's some drama going on. I don't, I, there's no way I could talk about all of those things, but you know what they are. Chances are the light bulb went on. You're like, man, that's exactly right. I don't need just to get by. I don't just need to get a promotion. I don't just need a, I need what only God can do. If you be honest and just say, Bobby, pray for me that I would see God do what only he can do that God would save this person, that God would heal this person, that God would change this thing. I'm open. If that's you, would you just slip your hands straight up in the air this morning just as a way of saying, that's me, I, I confess, I, I, I need that. I need that. Yeah, anybody else, just hold your hand up high. This is a safe place just to be honest. My hand's in the air, not just to, to tell you what to do, to say, I, I want that in my own life. I don't wanna just get by. I don't want to just count days. I want my life to count for the key. You put your hands down. Is there anybody in the house today that would just say, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me because I already know where he's at work and I've, I, I already sense what he's telling me to do, but to be honest, it still feels like a vague voice on the shoreline and I just need to trust him today. And you know what that is. I mean, you, you know... <laughs> If you've been in that moment, you know it. God's already told you, you don't need some new revelation. You don't need some new sermon. You don't need another truth to take home. You just need to learn to trust. If that's you, and you'd let me pray for you, would you do the same thing? Just hold your hand straight up in the air. Bobby, would you pray for me? I need to learn to trust. I need to do what he's told me to do. Yeah, that's different for all of us in this room. It could be you've never been saved, and God's telling you, you need to trust me with your heart could be that you've been saved but you've never been baptized like you saw this morning and 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 so to trust them means to say i want to obediently walk with you and i want to go public with my faith it may be that you've never joined a small group you've never joined a church and you've just been attending and you're like i need to trust them i need to get plugged into a community of believers and walk together it could be there there's somebody you need to say i'm sorry to there's somebody you need to you need to what we call fall on the sword and say, look, I was wrong. I messed up. Whatever that may be, you just need to trust him. You need to trust him. This morning, I want to pray for us. After I pray, we're going to stand together. Hector and Mark are just going to lead us in these next few moments. This isn't some orchestra thing. This is just a time for us to say, God, what you're telling me in my head and my heart, God, give me the courage to do that with my body. It could be you need to bow and pray where you're at. 
It could be you're going to stand with us and you're going to sing these songs out as we talk about, God, would you give me vision? Be my vision, God. Be, be the one that sets the direction, the course of my life. You may sing that out as a prayer. It could be, honestly, that you come and you just kneel at the foot of the stage and make this a connecting point between you and God, that you, you, you come to that boat and you say, I, I want to trust you. And you just come and you do that physically and just say, in my head, and my heart, with my body, I kneel down and I say, I want to I trust you. Or maybe you've never been saved. Would you just come and take Pastor Chuck, Pastor Ron by the hand and say, I need to know him. I need to know him. Or maybe you've never joined this church. Maybe you've never been baptized. Whatever it is, there's no way I can describe it all. But I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you to come. Father, all across this room, would you give us courage to trust you, to trust your timing, to trust your still, small voice that's whispering inside of us now. Help us to see what only you can do. That we'd see dead hearts come to life that we'd see broken things be put back together, that we'd see people that have wandered away come home. Father, do what only you can do. As soon as I finish praying, we're going to stand. I'm just going to invite you to sing. Don't just stand there. Sing. Pray. Use these moments as a way to say, Jesus, do in me what you did in them. I want to see what only you can do. The pastors are going to be here. This altar is open. Would you trust them today? Father, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. As we begin to sing together, come on. I invite you to come. Oh, Lord of my heart. Let's sing this out as our prayer this morning. Not be all else to me. Say that Just lift your voices as a focused prayer to say, I need you. Thou my best by day or by Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my This altar's open. I invite you to come as we sing this out. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou I, thy true son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven. Oh, bright heaven, sun, heart of my own heart, whatever before, still be my vision. There is a difference between something that's just good and something that's of God. It's so easy. I'm telling you, it's so easy for me. It's so easy for all of us to settle for just the good. It's so easy to just try to get by. But I firmly believe that God doesn't want us just to have what's good. He wants us to have what's of God. That he's the perfect heavenly father that loves his kids. He loves you. He cares about you. 
you're not too far off, you're not too far gone, your life isn't too messed up, that one of the amazing things about God is God can reach down into the darkest, craziest situation and he can pull up life in the middle of it. Something that when you look back on it, you're like, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) I certainly couldn't have put it together. And then at the end of your life, you could say, it was God. It was God. So this week as you go, go knowing that there is a difference between good and of God. Don't be tempted to settle. Don't be tempted to give up. Don't be tempted to think I'm too far, it's too gone, there's no way. You don't know my story, Bobby. What I do know is the story of the one that can speak into any life and make it new. God bless you. May you have a God-centered week this week. We love you guys.